You're listening to the Indie Echo Podcast, a showcase of independent music and the artists that make it. I'm Jordan, producer at High Five Music. Today's featured artist marries the best of both classic and modern folk pop. He has just released his first full album called It's Nice Out. From the heart of America, here's Noah Flourish. I've got bigger plans than this. You've got something wrong with it. And I'm not about to stand by and wave is all the time flies away. Oh my, get busy living. How you doing, Noah? Nebraska? Yeah. I've never been there. Um, it's all right. <laughs> it's uh it's good. So I'm I'm all right. Nebraska's all right. Nebraska is, for those of you who don't know, the state that's smack dab in the middle of the United States. There's a lot of corn here, a lot of farm folk. Um, but the two big cities, Lincoln and Omaha, are where I have lived my entire life. And they're they're fairly metropolitan. They do all right. They're sizable. Tell you what, Omaha has the best zoo in the world. Really? If that's what you're into. Yeah, it's it's called the Henry Dorley Zoo. It's actually great. I, I went there for the first time in probably f- five or six years because I used to go all the time as a kid. It got old, you know, because it was like the thing to do. And then I went back and there's they've completely renovated so many different areas. And it's it's really, it's incredible. I don't have much to hype up about Nebraska aside from the people and the zoo. Like those are the two great things about it. Is there a destination you have in mind to move to? Uh, yeah. So I'm actually headed out to Nashville, hopefully in August, to do the whole artist, singer, songwriter thing. And we'll see how it goes. I, I've i never been in Nashville. I hear it's great, but I'm really just kind of, instead of dipping the toes in, I'm just kind of diving right in, which I'm excited about. Born and raised in Omaha. Uh, I'm down in Lincoln right now because I just I just finished up school uh, at University of Nebraska Lincoln. My mom listened to a lot of Fleetwood Mac growing up, who I still love. I, I'm and I'm so glad I was like exposed to them at an early age because what a band! Rumors is probably one of the best albums ever put together. My mom listened to a lot of like Dixie Chicks. Uh, my dad was all about U2. So I had you know I had a good. I had a good mix growing up in terms of music exposure for my parents. I also have three older brothers with pretty solid music taste. Um, and so when they were in you know, high school and they were kind of discovering what kind of music they liked, they were also you know, driving me to soccer practice and doing all these things. So I got to hear what they were you know, finding and listening to and liking. So I kind of got from each of my brothers a little bit of music taste too. So on like the pop and rock side, there was like Vampire Weekend was really huge for me. And they still are like, I love Vampire Weekend. That's someone that my oldest brother exposed me to. And then on like the folk side, Gregory Allen Isakov, if you know him, he's like one of the best folk artists. He's just an immense talent. He's just got this beautiful voice. He's great. And then when I got to high school, I kind of started to find my own, my own people to listen to. And I think John Bellion's probably a huge influence for me. And then also John Mayer, who I've continued to listen to after being introduced to him when he, I mean, like way back, like continuum era, John Mayer, you know, like the early on stages, but um, so plenty of influences from all over 
and like a lot of different genres to, to pick and choose from, which I think I reflect in my music a little bit because I don't like to stay too stagnant in one space. My oldest brother, um, when he went off to college, he got a banjo as a parting gift. Now, I don't come from a very musical family, like at all. My older brothers all took piano lessons. By the time it was my turn to get to take piano lessons, they had told me how much they hated it, so I never did it. And now I'm the only one who really does music, which is just kind of a funny thing. But um, my oldest brother got this banjo as a as like a parting gift for my parents, like something to do when you're not studying or whatever, you know. And I thought that was sick. So that following Christmas, I was like, can I can I get a banjo? And I did end up getting one, which is sweet. After months and months of begging and it was really hard <laughs> it was a terrible first instrument really really bad because just i think like the learning curve to like the point where you actually hear the banjo on songs like mumford and sons was who we were really into at the time back in like i don't know what was it like 20 2011 2012 back when that they had right. like yeah. you know yeah, like yeah. right right in their sweet spot anytime you hear banjo on the on their songs it's they're ripping they're shredding and i i was just get really really frustrated because i couldn't i couldn't do any of that so, I mean, I had this banjo and I could only play, you know, chords with it. And it was a lot of slow learning. And so I just started writing my own stuff because I couldn't play anything else. And that's how the songwriting began, but it wasn't very good songwriting, <laughs> which it rarely is, but that's how I got my start. I assume you had releases prior to Girl from the Sidewalk, but that was the oldest one I could find. Yeah, so Girl from the Sidewalk is it is what I what I call like my first like professional release, I guess you could say. That is the first one that was out on, you know, Spotify and Apple Music and whatever. I did technically like releases, you could call them, on SoundCloud in high school when I was recording with on GarageBand on like my school iPad with like Apple wire headphones. That was like my microphone. And I would tape it, you know, underneath the strings of the guitar or underneath the strings of the ukulele. It was <laughs> quite the process but I have a couple of songs I think they're still up there I've never taken them down so I'm assuming they're still out and floating around on the SoundCloud somewhere under my name but they're not anything too good you know <laughs> but Girl from the Sidewalk was my my first attempt at a real you know polished piece I wish I said something strong like what's up baby something funny like call me maybe something old fashioned like a love is a how do you do Something really stupid Like I gotta drive by bow and arrow wound from Cupid Or a simple little high My job just wasn't working for you I did want to ask you about that because you have quite the catalog compared to a, a lot of people at the beginning of the career. The one thing that's consistent is the quality. Thank you. When you started releasing things, was that, you know, was that your goal? Was like, I'm going to do this right. Not necessarily. I think even when I released Girl from the Sidewalk, which was December of 2018, my, my sophomore year of college, even then I didn't know exactly what was good quality and what wasn't. I had just been kind of writing on the side and, and doing that as I, as I went through school and everything and not really sharing it anywhere outside of Twitter and maybe on Instagram stories, that kind of deal, but not really doing anything too serious with it. But I was writing all the time, so I started to grow this like massive catalog and I got a really good sense of what, what made a good song and what made a bad song from seventh or eighth grade when I started writing up until five to six years later when I decided, okay, I wanna like give this a shot. 
uh, a buddy of mine who was a year older, his name was Ross Grebe, reached out to me after seeing one of my songs on Twitter. Uh, just like a little one minute blurb I had recorded and put out. And he was like, hey, this is really sweet. We should we should get together and, and work on something. I, I do production, blah, blah, blah. I was like, sweet, let's, let's give it a shot. So I went over to his house and we chopped it up and I ended up showing him Girl from the Sidewalk. I just played it for him on, on my guitar. He, he was like, hey, this is really good. And I was like, thank you. We should, uh, and I, I showed him a few other songs too. And he was like, are, are you interested in getting any of these three produced? I'd be, I'd be happy to, to do that for you, um, which was sweet. Cause like, what a, what a sweet guy to, to reach out and do that. So I said, yeah, uh, let's do Girl from the Sidewalk. And he was like, are you sure? Cause it's a six and a half minute song. Like who, who releases a six and a half minute single as their, as their debut thing, which I didn't even know like what a debut was at the time, but it did seem a little ridiculous, but I was like, yeah, no, absolutely. Let's let's, it's got a good story, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. That fall we recorded it and pieced it together in his uh, little studio and put it out into the world and it, it did pretty okay. With On Your Mind, was it like featured on something? How did it like blow up? Yeah. So On Your Mind, in its release, which was I think in the spring of 2019, it did super well on its release just because I think people liked the song. So it got like somewhere within 10,000 streams the first week, which was the best I'd, I'd ever done on a song up until that point. So that was really exciting. And then for like a year, it did okay. You know, it wasn't going crazy. And a guy from TikTok who is in charge of this this TikTok page called Live to Create, that was actually just, it was like, as it was blowing up, he came across On Your Mind and, and was like, hey, can I feature this on our Spotify playlist? Of course, I'm like, absolutely. And so he did that. And from there, it got a lot of attention because at the time his page was getting a lot of attention, the playlist was getting a lot of attention. And so the song did super well on that one particular playlist. And I believe Spotify had its eyes on on that playlist as well. And so they picked my song and put it on Fresh Finds Pop and Spotify Fresh Finds for like two weeks, which is hilarious because at that point it was like a year old. So it was hardly fresh. But <laughs> so that was cool to like be on a Spotify curated playlist because that's the only time that's happened for me. And that helped the song do super well and kind of boost it over. I think it reached a million streams and September or October of 2020, and it's already at 2 million now. So it's That's just, crazy. yes, but it's doing great, which is really just, it's great to see. I know for a fact I'm on your mind like all the time. And when you get back to being fine, then I'm your guy. In the valley, there's a river. Moves like a snake, how it glides and it slithers away in a way that makes it seem no only grow bigger. TikTok taking over the world, man. It's crazy. It's terrifying. <laughs> I I I'm honestly like pretty exhausted with it. it. It takes up too much time. And I don't like marketing myself. Like I don't enjoy that aspect of being an artist. I know it's like necessary and I'll do it. I'll suck it up, but I always feel kind of a little fake, a little, you know, when I when I go on and I, and I say like, oh, please, you know, please listen to my music. That kind of stuff bothers me. And it bothers me when I see other people do it because it just feels a little, you know, sellouty, you know? I completely yeah. understand. Yeah. And I did want to ask you about that because you do have a marketing background, yes? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I actually graduated from UNL with a marketing degree and 
Now, it wasn't necessarily my plan to turn around and like use that on myself, but it totally has worked out that way, which is, <laughs> which is great. You know, I've, I, I, I did learn a, a, a couple tips and tricks through, you know, four years of college to, that actually apply to what I'm doing now, which is really, really great. You probably learned a lot of the the fundamentals, but with the way, you know, social media marketing, just every month there's something different. Did you find some of the things you learned to be like behind the times? Absolutely. Um, 100%. There's a lot of marketing strategy, especially earlier on, like in the base basic level marketing stuff that maybe doesn't apply so much anymore. But they there were also like I took a class on social media marketing and I took a class on digital marketing. So those were those were pretty up to date and, and with the times and they were younger professors that that kind of knew what was going on. So that that was my junior and senior year. I actually like learned a lot that that ended up applying and hopefully will still apply as I go on and do my own marketing further. So that brings us to your, your debut album. It's nice out. What made you want to put together a body of work like that in, instead of doing another EP? Yeah. So up until the release of It's Nice Out, I had I had done you know smaller bodies of work. So I've done I've done a couple EPs. I think three now. Those were fun, and, and it's it's great to do like a, a body of work like that. And the singles are fun too. I, I really enjoy that. But you know when I listen to to like great artists, I listen to their albums, you know, just like I was saying with like Fleetwood Mac, Rumors is, you know, it's not just this song or this song. It's like that album is incredible or anything, any album ever by like Kanye West. Like there are these highly debated, highly regarded works that people use to to value the work, the total work that the artist has done. I don't think anyone's going to say that I'm an incredible artist based on one of like the 30 singles I've put out. You know what I mean? I I think it was it was time to to make a large statement. Not that I don't enjoy releasing singles. I really do. It's so fun to just kind of put something out every month that's new and different. But I wanted something that that could really resonate with people and drive home a lot of feelings and a lot of messages all at once. And I'm a boat upon the ocean and the waves are getting big and all my knots are falling loose and the hole is giving in and there's a monster in the water and it's giving me a grin and saying, man, you should have stayed on the land. Was there a central theme you wanted to write about going into it? Like, did you have a bunch of songs already planned? To curate the, the songs that made it onto the album, that was that's an interesting thing and something you don't think about until you start making an album. At, at least for me, I, it was something I hadn't considered. And there were so many things I learned along the way just making this album that I never had considered before. Picking the songs that ended up on it was one of them. Right around July, August, and September of 2020, I had kind of rediscovered my love for the ukulele and I had written probably seven or eight songs on it in that three month span. Songs that all really kind of jive together and had very similar feeling. And at that time I was like, okay, we could totally do like an EP with this, just some collection. And the more and more I thought about it and the more I, I looked through the, the other songs in my catalog that I hadn't released, I, I saw, hey, like I could totally do an album here. And at one point I had like, 17 songs selected for this thing and I, I ended up whittling it down to 10 that I felt really all allowed for just good connection and, and cohesiveness throughout a full album 
both in in their message and how they were to be arranged and produced and so when we whittled it down to 10 then it became okay when we go into production let's make sure we're using the same you know synth sound in this song and in this song and let's make sure we're we're using similar i don't know we're just going for similar feels but not too similar because we don't want to make the each song sound the same it's just it's a very meticulous process and again something you don't think about until you go in and start creating something like this because with an ep you can make every song sound super different especially like with book of stories where every song is its own narrative i could do whatever i wanted with that one it was really just like a collection of singles that all told a story but with this album it was here this song tells a story here this song tells a feeling but they need to match they need to belong together that was interesting to do and it was it was fun has your production relationship with ross like throughout all of your releases, even the one you work with? Yeah, he's he's been my guy for all but two of my songs. And I think now with the album out, I have like 40 some songs. I've got like a lot of tracks with that guy. Um, he rocks. So we've, we've been working together now for almost three years. It's a great working relationship. He's actually moving out to Nashville with me, which is great. Oh, cool. Yeah, so um, we'll be continuing that, that working relationship, which is awesome. So a lot of like the guitar that you hear on like a lot of my tracks, typically it's him. He is way more technically proficient. I am not very good at guitar. So he he typically, he's the one you're hearing if you're hearing guitar. When I have people on who have like full albums, I won't ask about every single one, but I would like to whittle it down to just a few. But I gotta tell you, it was really hard for me to do with this one because there's just so much greatness. <laughs> Thank you. That you know, that means a lot. I I've had I've had a couple people come up to me and say like, oh dude, this album's like no skips. Like it's so and I'm like, okay, well you're gonna make me cry. Like that feels really good. It's really good to hear. So <laughs> thank you. That means a lot. So you start with a poem about you, and what you notice right away is that it starts instantly. The verse just you're in it. There's not even a, a instrumental interlude. I think the the simplicity of that first verse allows it to, it, it doesn't feel like intrusive, that start, but it also kind of locks you in. You know, there's kind of a, right right from the get to the, I wrote a poem about you, and the really clean ukulele behind it is a great attention grabber. Because now you're thinking, oh my gosh, there's a poem about me too. <laughs> What's the next line? What does it say? I mean, I'm not thinking about these songs commercially while I write them, but when I when I decide what do I want as my first track, I want something that that can like grab attention. And it does it two times in that song, both with like the sudden start and then when the chorus hits it's just a total mm. change of pace yeah it's it's very dynamic so it like switches between ukulele and like that indie pop rock go into it writing it that way or is that a producer decision now with a lot of the songs i write they they change when we go into you know record and, and produce them out but this is one that i right from the get-go like as i'm writing it i knew that i wanted like the those lines the, baby you're like everything i've ever wanted and more i knew i wanted that to be yelled you know that it's it's just, just a profession of of love and it's like allowing itself to be like a little bit embarrassing you know which which i think is great and so I knew that if, if I was going to lean into that, 
I wanted to fill up the sound. So that was one that I, I went in knowing that I wanted to kind of blow it up in the middle there. But um, sometimes I have no idea what I want it to sound like when I go into the studio. And uh, your title track, it's nice out. It's like uh, just nice Jack Johnson-y vibes. Mm-hmm. Did you know that was going to be the album title? I actually feel like I decided that it's nice out was going to be the album title pretty early on just because of the general vibe of the album. And I wanted like it to be named after one of the songs. And I felt like It's Nice Out is a, a really nice cap on a lot of what the album talks about. Oh, it's nice out, yeah. I'd like to lie down. Pick animals and shapes out of the white clouds. Oh, it's nice out. There's a lot of good feeling, especially with the, on like the A side of the album. There's so much just like, you can lay down, you can close your eyes and listen to this. And you can do that with the B side as well. A lot of the B side offers that, but it's a, a little bit flipped. The B side's a little bit sadder, a little bit darker, but I think reflects the A side really, really well. And, and it's nice out. I don't know, such a good feeling. You go outside and it's like just the right temperature for you. And, you know, there's birds singing. It's, you got a beer on the porch. It's just a really, really sweet feeling. And I felt like It's Nice Out, the song, did a great job of of summing up the album as a whole. I think Lavender, the song, does a better job of summing up the entire album, but I didn't want the album to be called Lavender. So I went with It's Nice Out. When you talk about the song structure, was there a reason you wanted to have the more, I guess, uplifting A side and then have the darker B side as opposed to interspersing them? Yeah, um, and we played around with that a lot in the months leading up to finalizing that, which was kind of in the the middle of spring when I finally decided where I wanted the songs ordered. So in the months leading up to that, I one, I had 17 songs and I'd whittled that down to 10 and then it was figuring out where those 10 all fit in. And so I, I played around with, you know, having a wild song or a wild first two songs and then bringing it back and then doing that and then bringing it back, you know? Cause that's, when you build an album, you, you try to do some sort of pacing. And I decided, I'd much rather have a like very clear A side and B side with Lavender kind of being the the middle ground between them. Just because it just felt better. It, <laughs> I wish I had like a better explanation than that, but listening through, that's just like the order that made the most sense to me. probably my favorite on the album just like the uh staccato rhythms the punchy evolving nature of it it just kind of keeps building a building stellar parallax is a unique song in its creation so i actually wrote majority of these songs on the album were written within the last like year year and a half stellar parallax was written my freshman year of college so i think it's the oldest song on the album just in terms of like it existing and it actually at one point had a third verse 
I just didn't think that the third verse fit with the rest of the album. It was just like an okay verse. And so we lopped it. Okay to the standards of like Stellar Parallaxes. The lyrics in Stellar Parallax, I am like so proud of. It's probably like my favorite song on the album too. So we're not so different, you and I. Um, But we cut off the third verse. And at that point, the song was like, oh, only a minute and a half long, you know? So we decided to just make a really massive outro one that would kind of reflect that of Lavenders, which is a song that will keep coming up probably. Yeah, we decided to like loop these certain sections and that looped section is really special. What you would call is like, I suppose a chorus, but it's all just instrumental stuff is really cool because it's got like a drone chord. There's a B flat major chord as the rest of the chords are changing that plays through the entire thing, which I think is really, really, it just adds this like really weird feel sometimes. We decided, okay, let's just like keep adding things and adding things, you know, some drum textures and and some vocal stuff. And then I was like, Ross, just start ripping. And so like during one session while we were in there, he just kind of like freestyled a couple different layers. And we were like, oh, this is really cool. Keep going. (laughs) And so he did. And now he has a writing credit on the song because he helped write like the main lines, those guitar lines um, became like the majority of the second half of the song. Kid is similar to Poem About You in that it's the dynamics between switching between the ukulele and like a, a fuller band sound. And I really like the strings that come in at the end. So that was really nice. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it's a sweet arrangement. Kid is, I feel like, definitely a very slept on song on the album. It's a sweet song and it, it does a good job. And I've had the people who do mention it are people who are artists in their own right, whether that be film or music or whatever that say hey i like really relate to this one because it's a it's a total like dream big kind of a song keep working to make it it's your spot to take it how this world is due for a kid like you Goodbye Forever Maybe, it seems to be just like built from the ground up to be an album closer. From the the lyrics to the title to the arrangement. Wasn't the original intention. Again, that was one that just ended up fitting in exactly where it needed to fit in. It's a hell of a song. Each verse is a different kind of story. It's like almost like a this is a possible future kind of kind of thing. And um, I think it does a really good job of addressing sort of like a lot of existential kind of questions that I feel like I've been dealing with, you know, lately, but that everyone deals with on like the day to day. But we like to think that we're all special and deep when everyone else is thinking the exact same thing. So
The whole album, I, I will say, and it still is a bit of a struggle. Like even now after it's released, I, I want it to just do super well and to blow up. And that, it's not realistic, but that first week after it was out, which super mentally draining for me because I would just sit there and, and look at my numbers and I know I like need to not do that. <laughs> That's the marketing side of me, I guess. But it just got to the point where I needed to step away from the devices and relax. You know, because I, I would I would get too caught up in oh I hope everybody likes it and, and blah blah blah. But now that I've kind of like stepped back, I've I'm really really proud of this album, and I just hope that if and when people listen to it, they they do it with like good intention. You know, they like sit down and they're like I'm gonna listen at least for the first time. Afterward, like if you want it to be your background music, let it be your background music. At some point, like I really encourage people to like sit down and listen to the whole thing through because I think it does a great job of being a cohesive work. Are there any genres you haven't experimented with that you would want to? Whoa, that's a good question. Um, yeah, I think I'd like to uh, dive a little bit more uh, onto the jazzy side every now and again. I did vocal jazz in college and it was great. I've definitely picked up a lot of like influence from that just in like how I look at harmony now. It totally changed how I look at harmony and how harmony is built and how it can be arranged. I really, and you get hints of this in It's Nice Out, but there, there's a rock side to me that I'm just like beginning to explore that I never really knew I had before. And it's, it's been really nice to have the opportunity on stage, like for It's Nice Out, there are times when I can like rock out, which is sick, because a lot of my music before does not allow for that and does not call for that, um, because it's all very peaceful stuff, which I, which I love to write. That's like my number one thing to write and listen to, but I like to, when I'm on stage, have a large stage presence. I don't like to just sit there and play. I like to move around. I like to point at people. I like to be excited and have the crowd excited. And so writing songs that will like allow me to do that live is is fun and I and I want to do that more too. Speaking of, you've had a few live performances already, yeah? So my first live performance as Noah Flourish with a full band was the album release show, which is kind of ridiculous. I've played, you know, coffee shops and things like that solo, which is fine. And I've played in bands as like a front man, but not as Noah Flourish. And so this was my first time. This was It was really like a debut show kind of with a full band. And it was so fun. And to play, you know, the songs from the album that have those louder parts like poem about you was sweet how we started the show was with poem about you and i kind of like hushed the crowd down and played that first verse super 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 slow like totally totally milked it and everyone was totally quiet and then eric skoog my drummer does the and then we get into the get into the course it was sick and the crowd went crazy and that's the kind of stuff like i love to do live is is have like really crazy dynamic shifts and that the songs from the album really allow for that. So that was great. Do you have a dream collaborator? Whether it would be, you know, shooting for the stars or like maybe some kind of indie musician that not many people know about? Sure. Yeah. I, I mean, I've written with some of these folks uh, before. Kate Stevenson is, is, a, is a writer I really, really love. She's incredible. Uh, go check her out. I would say like wildest dream kind of scenario would be like John Bellion. He's someone who's, you know, his lyrics and his production are, are something that really inspired me in high school to become, you know, a writer and a, uh, so that would be really, really incredible. Paul McCartney would be sick just to sit down in a room with him. His last project where he had all these artists kind of cover his songs is really, really cool. Um, Dominic Fike would be another one who did a Paul McCartney cover of 
The Kiss of Venus, which was on his last album. So you've done co-writes with other artists before? Yeah, um, not not stuff that's been released aside from the stuff I've done with Ross Grieb, but I've got some stuff semi in the works. I'm still kind of album mode right now, and I'm not really worried about much else, but I have songs written with other people that just haven't really seen the light of day. I have um, one song out already that was released just before I began releasing singles for the album called Kitchen Talk with a William Henson, who is just incredible. So if you haven't heard that one, check it out. It's a fun little tune. I like the kitchen talk, the drinks are free, the nights are long, yeah. I like the kitchen talk, and I miss it all. I miss the kitchen talk. So doing that co-write thing, especially when I get to Nashville, is definitely something I'm interested in, too. I have a bunch of music videos coming from the album. So um, there are three in the works right now. There's one for Bigger Plans out already, if you haven't seen it. It's sweet. It's all done in one shot. It's really cool. And then uh, there will be probably one or two bonus tracks that will tack on to like a deluxe version or whatever. You know, people call it deluxe. Deluxe seems like a kind of a dumb word to use, but that's what people call them when you when you tag on bonus tracks. So I might do some of that. And then I've got some some Christmas tunes, which I'm excited about just to like, that's, I mean, that's way off in like November, but that stuff, if you're working on it, you need to start thinking about now. So uh, I'll probably be doing like a, a little Christmas album or something just because I've had them finished for forever. And I want it, I want them to feel like kind of demo-y. I want them to be kind of scrappy and rinky-dinky. So it'll be fun. Is there a main takeaway you want people to have when they listen to the album? I would let them decide. Uh, what they want to take away. I think the music speaks for itself, but I think it speaks to different people in different ways. A lot of times I'll have someone, not necessarily with the album, just because it's it's so fresh, but I have people come up to me all the time and say, hey, this song reminds me of you know, my grandma. And I'm like, I didn't write that song about your grandma, but it's like nice that, that it reaches you or touches you in that way. That's, that's, that's really cool. So I hope they listen to the album and they go into it expecting expecting to take something away from it because I think it does have a lot to offer, but I want them to decide what they take away from it more than anything else. Links to Noah's music and everything else can be found in the show notes. Indie Echo is a product of High Five Music, a digital production studio that brings your bedroom demos to life. If you want your music produced, mixed, or remixed, visit the link on my Instagram at High Five Music. And you can follow the show at Indie Echo Podcast. Thank you for listening.